You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. You'll go ahead and grab a seat. And if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And excited to be back with you all this morning. Hey, are, you, are you excited for Christmas? Yes. Someone jokingly said no. Like, man, Christmas is a good time. It's going to be awesome. Um, there's so many things that we, uh, especially in, in uh, American culture, we put into Christmas that, that are good things, right? So, um, man, it's fun thinking about gifts. And I feel like every time a commercial comes on, I'm like, ah, we still got to buy some gifts. Anybody else in that boat? Like a lot of shopping to do. And unfortunately, all our stuff is probably that we want to buy off the coast of California. So good luck with that, right? Um, or we think about the decorations of the tree, you put up the lights, we've got some, some decorations in here, right? And you think about the meal you're going to prepare. There's so many things that go into Christmas time and, and they're, they're good things. They're not bad things. But at the end of the day, what really matters for Christmas is that, like, that we celebrate that Jesus came to save us. Amen? Like, that, that's what matters. All those other things are good, but what really matters is like, are, are we focusing on Jesus? Are we going to rejoice in, in what he's done? I'll say that because that's kind of a good reminder of, of the series we've been doing uh, called Back to the Basics. This is our, our last, our final week of this series, Back to the Basics. And the idea is looking at what, what are the really core things that we should be about as a church? Not just Southcrest, but really any church. What should we be about? We've been looking at Acts 2 as kind of a model, a template, if you will, of what we should be doing as believers, that what the Christian life as believers, as we're together, should look like. And it's a great, really, model that we have in Acts chapter 2, verse is 42 through 47. And before we dive back into that for, again, one final time, I know we've about rung this text for, for all that we can for a few weeks. Um, I want us just to take a moment to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray this simple prayer. It's this. God, do anything in me you need to do in order to do everything through me you want to do. There's nothing magic about that, but it's a prayer that one of my professors taught me. I think it's helpful before studying God's word. God, do anything in me you need to do in order to do everything through me that you want to do. So would you just take a moment and just make that your prayer before we dive into today's text? God, it's such a privilege for us to come and to study your word, to be together, to to just sense your spirit, your Holy Spirit working in and through us. God, I pray that as we study your word, you would just create in us an eagerness to hear from you and to be like you. And God, we do, we ask that you would do whatever you need to do in us to do whatever you would like to do through us. God, that we would be willing vessels, that we would be moldable this morning and sensitive to what uh, you're speaking to us and what you're telling us and leading us to do. And it's in the name of Christ that we ask these things and trust that you can do anything. It's your name we pray, amen. If you would, first we're just gonna read through uh, verses 42 through 47, really kind of one final time in this series. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. All right, so really today the first thing, but in the series, the fifth thing we wanna see from this text about what we should be as a church is this. We're gonna put it on the screens for you. We must be a people of burden-bearing relationships, not me-centered cliques. We must be a people of burden-bearing relationships, not me-centered cliques. So if we're gonna be a church that is all God wants us to be, if we're gonna take the hope of the gospel to the world, we've got to bear each other's burdens. I love that it says, in verse 44, all the believers were together and held all things in common. So as silly as this sounds, it's true. We is always better than me. There's this collective, there's this community, this relationship idea. See, being a Christian doesn't make you have less of a need for relationships. No, if anything, in the New Testament, we see that being a Christian really kind of elevates this idea of community, that we are made for relationship. And we're not made just to suck the life out of other people, but we're made to bear each other's burdens. That's why I love it. It points out in verse 45, they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were looking out for each other's needs. How can I help you? How can I bear your burden? It's not just about me and what I want, but how can I help you and bear your burdens? This is really kind of a common theme in the New Testament, that we're gonna, that we're gonna bear each other's burdens. And, and I know here in the text, it's very clearly really focusing on, on a physical need, but bearing each other's burdens is really so much more than that. Just to list a few, you don't have to try to turn to these, but you can write these down if you like, the citations. Just a few verses that kind of carry this theme of carrying each other's burdens. Galatians chapter six, verse two, it says, carry one another's burdens. So again, you, you, to come alongside and shoulder some of their burden. I love the, maybe phrasing it this way of moving toward the mess. So rather than being like, oh shoot, you're going through a lot of stuff. I'm gonna avoid you right now. Or like you ever, you ever get that text or that call and as soon as you see the person's name, you're like, oh, what do they want? You're like, I'm never calling Brandon again. <laughs> we laugh because we do that, right? Oh man, but we're to move toward the mess. Man, how, man they're hurting, they're in need. How, how can I carry their burden? Romans 12, 10 says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters in Christ. Take the lead in honoring one another. I love this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Uh, what a cool picture, taking the lead and honoring one another. So not that you're like just trying to out compliment each other. You ever get into a conversation with somebody and you're like, man, like you did a great job. And they're like, you did a great job. And you're like, can you just take the compliment, right? Like it's, no, but you, but we are, we're to, we're to look, how can I honor you? How can I 
I love, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Man, as believers, we're to be a, the kind of people that when somebody gets a promotion or somebody, uh, something amazing happens in their family or they, or they get engaged or whatever it is, something exciting happens, we should be the kind of people that rally around them and celebrate. I really do. I don't mean like going crazy and like doing stupid stuff, but Christians should kind of know how to have a good time. Like we should know how to throw a party. I'm not talking about getting wasted and stuff, stupid stuff, but like we should know how to celebrate one another, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. But also according to Romans 12, 10, we should be able to weep with those who weep. Man, isn't it a shame that sometimes the place that we're most resistant to being honest about how we're hurting and struggling is in church. That's, that's a shame. Church, the body of believers, when you're with other Christians, that should be the safest place for you to be able to weep and shed a tear because you know that the fellow believers will weep with you when you're struggling. You know, I think sometimes we're hesitant to weep with those who weep because we're like, I don't know what to say. You know, most of the time, it's, you shouldn't say anything. Often when somebody's really going through a hard time and you begin to try to like give them advice, just stop it. Like, it's not gonna go well. The best thing to do is just say, like, hey, you need a shoulder to cry on or you need a hug or just somebody just to sit with you. I'll be there for you. This doesn't say give lots of advice to those who weep. It says weep with those who weep. And in so doing, you bear their burdens. Philippians chapter two, really verses one through six, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. You know, we have these commands in scripture because we don't do them naturally, right? All of us naturally in our flesh, selfishly, we look out to whose needs first, our own, right? Like it's not natural, it's supernatural by the work of the Holy Spirit in us, but it's not natural, humanly speaking, to look at other people and say, I want, I want to put their needs before mine. I care about them more than just getting what I want. But he says, because of Christ, he starts off Philippians 2, if Christ has made any difference in your life, if he's encouraged you at all, then put the needs of other people before your own. And in so doing, you bear their burdens. You're saying, hey, it's not just about what I want. How can I be a blessing to you? When you do that, you bury each other's burdens. And I love John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, I give you a new command, love one another. By the way, it wasn't, that wasn't a new command. The, the, the really kind of a description of that kind of love was the new command. And that is this, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. The love of Christ is unconditional. It is always pursuing, always chasing after us to the point of death on the cross. Jesus says, that's the kind of love you're to show to one another. Not just like, hey, love you, bro. Get in here, bro hug. No, love with endless pursuit. Sacrifice for their good. And in so doing, you bear each other's burdens. So it's a different picture. That, that kind of description is different than a me-centered click, right? So burden-bearing relationships is what we should be, not me-centered clicks. You know, it's so easy to come to church, like do your Bible studies or be with other believers and just kind of make it all about yourself, right? Sometimes clicks are made up of three people, me, myself, and I, right? Those are the best, no. It's so easy to kind of want to have this inward-turned, me-focused Christianity, 
And we see in the early church that that was not the case. How can we bear each other's burdens? How can we be a blessing to other people? How can we meet the needs of other people? I think maybe, I would add that too. Isn't it? It's interesting. We often, we kind of group up and click up, if you will, with people who are like us because we tend to like us, don't we? That's, that's not the picture of the New Testament. It's man, whoever they are, wherever they come from, because of Christ, they have a seat at the table. They're welcome. Uh, I think of Romans, I think it's 16. Welcome others as Christ has welcomed you. Christ doesn't go, oh man, you, you look a little different or you just, you're kind of annoying, you talk too much, so no, you're not welcome. No, Christ doesn't say that. Anyone is welcome because of Christ. And it's not just that they're welcome, we're to bear their burdens, to join and kind of link up together. I think maybe a helpful way to, to picture that is think, think raft, not kayak. So think like white water raft, not kayak, where you're in by yourself. Both the kayak and the raft are going down the rapids, they're going down the river, right? They're both experiencing the same difficulties, the same turbulence, the same up and downs and twists and turns, but one is alone and another is in a group. Track it with me? And if you're in a raft with a group of people, there's typically more of an attitude that you're willing to, to rescue people and pull them in to join you in your boat. So like, I've not seen, we've been whitewater rafting several times with, with uh, youth ministry and college ministry. And I don't think I've ever seen a kayak be able, or a kayaker be able to, to really rescue somebody. But often you'll see a, a boat, a raft, they're always pulling people into the boat that fell out. And you know what they don't do? They don't see someone like fall out of a rapid and then begin to go by them and be like, you know what, you're not in our raft, so better luck next year, buddy. <laughs> no, they, they, they jump over and they pull them in. And even if they're like in a diff, with a different rafting company, it's like, hey, you can stay here until we get you where you're supposed to be. Like, you're safe here. You don't, you don't go by and wave, like, stinks to be you. Like, no, you, you, you pull them in. Because you're like, hey, man, we're in this together. And at some point, I may fall out too. At Newsflash, at some point, you will fall out. James says, not if you experience trials and tribulations, but when you experience trials and tribulations, you're gonna fall out of the boat. You're gonna wish you had somebody to pull you in. So why don't you do the same for other people? It's this rescue mentality. And you realize, man, we're in this together. We've gotta bear each other's burdens. And I think also when you're in a raft, because you're, you're, you realize you're together, you're going down the river together, you might as well attempt to get to know each other. Like I've never been in a raft where people are like, they've got their oar and they're just like, let's get this over with. Like, no, automatically you realize because you're with a group and you're about to experience some difficulty of the river, all of a sudden, maybe somebody that you have ignored all camp, you're like your best buddies because you might as well get to know each other. If we're gonna go through life together, we might as well get to know each other. Think raft, not kayak, where you're just alone in solitude on the river. I think another thing, thinking raft, not kayak, is man, you, you realize that you have the opportunity, the privilege to face the turbulence of life and the, the rapids of life with the joy and the strength and the camaraderie of community. That you're not alone. I, I, I love... Uh, when we've gone rafting, like if, if 
I can't imagine, I can't imagine being in a kayak and coming up on one of those like class four rapids. I think class five is the highest. Maybe a six is like, you're going to die. But, um, but I can't imagine seeing a class three or class four rapid and thinking it's all on me. When you're in a raft, what happens and you're getting closer to that rapid, there's kind of this like, we got this. Yeah, we got this. It's always funny with the high school ministry because it'd be like the 70 pound ninth grade girl. It's like, we got this guys. And you're like, I don't trust you, but <laughs> you're going to fall out. But you know, there's, there's this like, man, we can do this together. There's this joy that comes with realizing we're going to bear each other's burdens. We're not on our own. And I think one last thing, when you're in a raft, there's this automatic kind of transition to thinking about other people. So kayak, you go at your own pace, you take the river the way you want, you're just looking out for yourself. In a raft, there's a little bit of like, hey, is that seat a good spot for you? Is your back hurting from, from leaning that way? Are your feet tired from being tucked into the, to the side of the raft that way? Hey, maybe we can switch and I can bear your burden that way. Or maybe you're just really thirsty. Sure, you can drink from my Nalgene. I don't want it back, you can have it, right? Or man, you know, do you want a breather? You want to sit at the front of the raft and was it called cowboy or whatever? We hold on to the ropes at the front, like go for it. There's this automatic switch to, hey, you know what? It's not just about me. How can I be a blessing to you? And the reality is when I bless you and encourage you, it also helps encourages me, helps encourage me, helps me get stronger and, and do better on the river. Think raft, not kayak. We're in this together. We're to bear each other's burdens. probably there's some of us in this room as I'm describing even kind of the raft idea. Um, you're, you're, maybe you would say, hey, I've been, I've been coming to even this church for a while and man, I don't, I don't see that. I've not experienced that. Like I don't, I don't feel like people are bearing my burden. I feel like I'm kind of alone in the kayak. I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. If no one has apologized to you, like I don't, maybe it doesn't, feel um, personal coming from up here. Like I, I'm sorry. If we've not pulled you into the boat, so to speak, we're, then man, we're not representing Christ well. We're, we're not being all that Christ has called us to be. Maybe we've gotten distracted with all these other kind of good things at church, but in reality, in its simplest form, we just need to be, like, be pulling people into the boat. And so I'm sorry. I think, I think some of you, and I, gosh, I've been here. You, you may be inclined to say, well, I just, just using the same metaphor, you may be inclined to say, well, I just, I just don't really like the people in my raft. <laughs> or, or, you, or you may say, I, I just, you know, I've tried several different raps here and I'm just, I'm just not, I'm just not clicking with any of them. I just want to, I want to lovingly remind you that you don't find community, you build it. You don't just like wander, oh wow, here's community. Maybe if you do feel that way, I promise you someone built it. Primarily his name is Jesus, but it's not found, it's built. To, to have friends, to have community, you have to be a friend, you have to be community. Well, no one's reached out to me. I haven't heard from anyone in three weeks. Have, have you called anybody? Like last time I checked the phone line, it goes both ways, right? Like it's crazy how that works. To have community, you've got to build it. You don't just find it. So if that's you and you're like just always disgusted with the community that's available to you, I mean this with love, but you could be the problem. 
I often, I, I, don't let me chase this rabbit more than I'm about to right here. Blake, you can hold me accountable. Don't let me chase the rabbit. <laughs> but oftentimes, not always, hear me, not always, but often when someone comes to the church and they list like the past two churches they've been at and how they were bad and they couldn't find community and so now they're coming to our church, I normally just kind of know, man, they're not gonna be here very long. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not saying, I know people do change churches sometimes, but if when people are like, oh, in the past three years, I've been to four different churches, they were all bad. I'm like, man, probably not. Like, they probably weren't all bad. Maybe you're not willing to, to open yourself up to community. I don't know. But you don't find it. You build it. And isn't it interesting? I think that, that attitude of, oh, I just can't find good community kind of, kind of reveals that it's all about me anyways, right? I haven't found a group that really fits my needs, which that's not what we're to be about. We're to be about bearing each other's burdens, looking how we can help those in need, not just turning everything inward. I promise if you turn everything inward, you won't ever find good community. No one wants to be in community with someone who makes it all about them all the time, right? It's not fun. We are not to be people of me-centered cliques, but of burden-bearing relationships to lift each other up. God, would you help us to do that? I think part of what's so hard about bearing each other's burdens, I've already kind of said this, but this is a reminder, is that we're, we're kind of wired in our flesh apart from Christ. We're kind of wired towards, towards selfishness. I think this, this really today's second for the series, the last final point we're gonna see in this text, it, it again kind of touches on that selfishness. I think if we can get today's first point and second point together, man, we're gonna see so much growth. And I'm not gonna read this text again because we've read it like seven times by this point in the series, but I'll state it and then we're gonna point out some things in the text. And that is this. We must be a people of kingdom-minded generosity, not self-centered greed. We must be a people of kingdom-minded generosity, not self-centered greed. So again, if we're gonna be a church that is all God wants us to be, we've gotta turn from being inward focused and me, 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 greed to focusing on the kingdom. So focusing on what God is and can do it at Southcrest and through Southcrest and not just here, but around the globe through his kingdom, through his people. Look at verse uh, 45. It says, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. So they're willing to give up some of the comforts of this life to help those who were in need. I do wanna, if you would, look up, flip over at probably one page or two pages to chapter four, verse 32. Chapter four, verse 32. There's a similar passage that I think helps us understand kind of what was going on here. <clears throat> 432. Now the entire group of those who believed, so talking about the Christians, this early church, of those who believed were of one heart and mind and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Man, what a cool picture 
of selflessness. It says, verse 32, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. I, I love, we've got some, some close friends that I love when we, when we go to their house. Uh, most times when, when the, the father, the husband is praying for a meal, he'll thank God, even though their house, they probably had their house, I don't know, 10 years now, he'll thank God for the gift of their home, that it's God's home and that, man, we can, they can have friends and family over in it. That's a cool picture of recognizing that all of our positions, possessions are actually, they actually belong to God. So it means that really when you pull out your wallet, looks like a map in case you're curious, <laughs> pull out your wallet, pull out your credit card. Yes, my name is on there, but in reality, when I go to use this credit card, I should read instead of Brandon D. Hayes, I should read Jesus Christ the Lord. This is his. This doesn't belong to me. Everything I have belongs to Christ. I, I love that verse 34, it says, for there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each person as any had need. So why was there not a needy person among, among all these believers? Because those who had more than enough, this wasn't a government tax thing, gosh no, this was them willingly as believers saying, hey, you know what? And Christ has been so good to me and, and so generous to us. Like, I, I, I'm gonna give this in this context, I'm gonna give it to the apostles, give it at that point what was the early church and they're gonna distribute to those in need. That's how we were able to say, they were able to say there's not people in need because people were willingly giving what they had. Did you know like, there are people in this room who are in need. No, I'm not, I don't know names. I'm not about like, say, hey, stand up. No, <laughs> but there are people in this room who are in need. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to use you to meet that need, but you've got to be willing to say, like, God, what I have belongs to you, not to me. So I'm, I'm going to give it to you. You know, you, I, I really do believe you'd be hard pressed to, in the New Testament, make an argument for, for tithing, meaning to give 10% to the Lord. I think you'd be hard pressed to like explicitly say, here's the command of the New Testament to give 10%. If anything, I think the New Testament kind of ups the expectation or the standard of giving. So I think if your attitude is like, well, it's not, it's not 10%, so I don't have to really give anything because Jesus doesn't talk about it. No, if anything, Jesus sets really kind of a higher standard of giving, of sacrificial love, of, of turning away from self-centered greed and having a mindset of kingdom-minded generosity. You don't have to turn there, but in, in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, Paul, he's talking to the Corinthian church about having a generous spirit, about, about giving, like literally giving money, their resources for the kingdom of God. And he says this as, as kind of an example, motivation for forgiving. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. I love what Pastor Dave Zuliger says. He says, the standard for giving in the New Testament is no longer a mandated tithe, but rather the picture of love in the face and cross 
of Jesus Christ. We're now called to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, and give in accordance with the gospel of a savior who emptied himself completely. Do you see how it kind of ups the expectation there? How can I look in the face of Jesus and I, you don't really want 10%, do you, Jesus? Like, he, want, he wants my all. He wants my all. Here's the cool thing, I think really based on that text, 2 Corinthians 8, the more I get to know Jesus, the more inclined I am to give to his kingdom. The greater my understanding of the grandeur of Jesus the easier it is for me to, to give with gladness. The more overwhelmed I am with the goodness of Jesus, the more underwhelmed I am by the goods of this world, right? <laughs> because I, man, look at Jesus, look at how amazing he is. Like, I don't need to buy all this stuff to make me happy because Jesus is enough. I think that's why in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul can say and really challenge us to be a cheerful giver. Because when you look at Jesus, how can we not give with a glad and full heart and, and trusting that he'll provide for us. So again, it's, it's the posture. It's not this posture of my precious. Like, no, it's God, uh, it's yours. It's yours. Not just how can I buy everything I want for Christmas, but as an example, God, what would you leave me to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering? What is that? Again, that, that's the, the Christmas offering that we give to directly to missionaries around the world, like who are in a lot of them in tough places. Like, God, do, how much do you want me to give to that? I think it's easy to say, man, I, I, I just can't, I just can't, we don't have enough. Like, hey, I, I get that, but here's the reality. God doesn't call us to do things that can't be done. Right? God's not into playing jokes. Like, suckers, I got you guys. You thought you could give money, but you can't. Like, no, he... He calls us to give, to trust him, and, and we can. He makes a way, he provides. I think if we, if we feel like we can't give, this is not possible, I think it's probably one of two issues. Either a, like, what we'll call a behavior issue, like a habit issue, or a trust issue. If it's a behavior issue, I, I wanna challenge you to, to make a budget. If you wait till the end of the month to, to think about how you're gonna give to God's kingdom, probably you'll have spent it on who knows what, right? So you gotta make a budget. I love one of the most kingdom-minded, generous men I know, uh, Rick Beatonville, who came and spoke to our middle schoolers probably about 10 years ago, and he taught our middle schoolers to give a little, save a little, spend a little. That's how you live king with kingdom-minded generosity. It's not all mine, no. I'm gonna give a little, that's what's first. I'm gonna save a little. I'm gonna spend a little. So if it's a behavior issue, make a budget. But for a lot of us, it's probably a trust issue. Like, are we willing to trust that God will take care of us as we give towards his kingdom purposes? That could look like so many different things. And if it's a trust issue, listen to the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter six as he's talking and calling us towards kingdom-minded generosity. He says, you can't serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life 
what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns that your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't, aren't you worth more than a bird? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God crows, not crows, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown to the fire tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have a little faith. So don't worry saying, what are we gonna eat? What are we gonna drink? What are we gonna wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Y'all, we can trust him. Amen? We can trust him. We must be a people of kingdom-minded generosity. We can be because of Christ. We must be a people of kingdom-minded generosity, not self-centered greed. You know, we've, we've been doing um, this series for, we took, took last week off, obviously. And Austin, thanks for killing it, preaching. But we've done this three-week series. I'm not gonna sing, don't worry. <laughs> called Back to the Basics. And there's been uh, six, David, sorry, I'm just gonna break your guitar. Should I turn it on? It's fancy. Oh, it is on. Am I good? Volume, is that what you're saying? Ah. This button? Look at that. <laughs> okay. Six, six things. We actually got a slide that's got all six of the things up. Yeah, we must be a people committed to the word, people who make space to see the goodness of God, people of contagious joy, people of prayer, people of burden-bearing relationships, people of kingdom-minded generosity. You know, when we, when we, sorry, I'll, there we go. Uh, when we do these six things, not that this is all there is about the Christian life, but when we do these, it, it's actually like kind of winsome to the world. So it, it sounds nice. I'm no David Maddox, but. Know that song? Oh yeah. But if just one or two of those things is out of sync. So maybe you know we're like, you know what? Kingdom gener kingdom gener <laughs> kingdom minded generosity. <laughs> mm. People of the word and reading the Bible is hard. Then it's 
his eyebrows are kind of going, ow. Like, it's, you kind of recognize it, but it's, it's a little confusing, right? See, if we just distri- decide to kind of pick and choose a few of these, man, it's confusing to the world and it is not winsome. <laughs> what, if we, what if we said, you know what? I, I know that the Bible is true, but I kind of have my own standards of what the church should be like. So I'm gonna kind of tune my life to what I think is right. So you just decide to. <laughs> Actually, it gets worse. No one wants to come be a part of that. (laughs) See, when we are in tune with what and who God has called us to be, it's actually a beautiful thing. But I wanna ask you, which, which one of these on the screen would you maybe be willing to say with the help of the Holy Spirit leading you that maybe you've been out of tune on? I'm not gonna try to retune, I'll let David do that. (laughs) Break all his strings up here. Because really, we we all, with the help of the Holy Spirit, need to be in tune on all of these. And see, when we do that, David, if you wanna come on up, give you a second to fix your broken guitar now. (laughs) When, When we do that, beautiful, it's compelling. Man, God shakes the world upside down through the church when we're in tune with who he's called us to be. Father has called us, Christ has redeemed us, the spirit empowers us. We are without excuse. Being the people of God he's called us to be. It, we, we try to complicate kind of like Christmas, we all this flash and smoke and mirrors, all this stuff, but really like it's pretty simple what God has called us to be. So again, I wanna ask you, which of these do you need to kind of lean into and ask the Holy Spirit to, to empower you and help change you and to be in tune with what he's laid out in scripture for us and how his spirit is guiding us and leading us. I'm gonna give this a moment just to kind of pray and reflect on that. And then in a second after David fixes his guitar, um, he's gonna lead us in a song that is an oldie but a goodie that's about just the simpleness of coming before God and worship and it's all about him. And as he sings that song in just a few moments, there's gonna be a couple people down front that'll be here to pray with you. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. You've never turned from kind of trying to earn your relationship with God to just trusting the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And maybe this morning you're ready to believe in him and follow him with all your life. They'll be, they'll be down here to pray with you about that, to talk to you about that, or maybe you just want some prayer. These folks will be here for you. But I wanna challenge you right now as we have just a few moments of kind of quiet to talk to the Lord and ask maybe which one of these areas you need to tune up and then we'll sing about the simple heart of worship. I'll give you a moment to do that. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 